This episode is brought to you by Hulu, presenting Legacy, the true story of the L.A. Lakers. From the backboard to the front office, Legacy captures the remarkable rise and unprecedented success of one of the most iconic franchises in professional sports. Featuring new revealing interviews from players, coaches, and execs, this 10-part documentary series chronicles this extraordinary story from the inside. Watch Legacy, the true story of the L.A. Lakers now, only on Hulu. What up, what up, what up, though? Ball Hawk Show. What up, what up, what up, though? Ball Hawk Show. What up, what up, what up, what up, what up, do? Welcome to the Ball Hawk Show podcast. I'm your host, Amaya Hawkins. I appreciate you taking time out today to listen to the latest episode of the show. Today's show, we will be recapping Virginia versus Georgia Tech that took place Saturday, 1230 kickoff here at Scott Stadium. It was homecoming. It was a chance for the Wahoos to continue to control their own destiny, and they did that with the victory versus Georgia Tech, even though a lot of people um, aren't really satisfied with the point spread at the end of the game because the Wahoos um, didn't beat the brakes off of Georgia Tech like a lot of people had hoped. Um, the score was 33 to 28. And uh, before we get started, shout out to my sponsor, Abra Insurance, AbraInsurance.net, service in the state of Virginia for over 20 years. Home, auto, business, life insurance, any insurance need that you need, holler at the good people at Able insurance billy and charlene white also go to sthujuice.com for your shot the hell of juice apparel your petty hawk apparel your redemption shirt uh uva basketball championship shirt the shut the hell of juice style is available on the site so go to sthujuice.com so let's go ahead and jump right into it if you haven't already make sure you subscribe on any platform that you're Listen to the Ball Hawk Show podcast. Definitely go to anchor.fm. Subscribe to the podcast. Um, there are ways you can donate to the podcast. Go to amahawkins.com as well for all the walkthrough videos and the bonus footage. Also, YouTube, the Ball Hawk Show. But like I said, any platform that you listen to the Ball Hawk Show podcast, definitely share, subscribe, and I definitely always appreciate the support. So, Let's go ahead and jump into the numbers first. If it's your first time listening, we always start out with the numbers, backstory, and then I break into the analytics, what I saw during the game, what we could have done better, what we did well, and what to look forward to for the next opponent. Um, so as I talked about, the Wahoos won 33-28. to 28. It was 43 degrees for this game. We had 44,596 people in attendance for this game. Um when you look at the team stats, let's pull those up. First downs, UVA had 25 total first downs on the game to Georgia Tech's 19. UVA converted 13 first downs through the air 
and eight on the ground and four by penalty. Rushing yards. Georgia Tech came in averaging 158 yards rushing the game while UVA was averaging just 108. At the end of this game, UVA outrushed Georgia Tech. They ran the ball more than Georgia Tech. We had 155 net yards. We actually had 172, but when you factor in the losses from the sacks, we had 155 rushing yards on 37 attempts. They had 143 on 32 attempts. They averaged 4.5 yards per carry. We averaged 4.2. And again, the sack yards is included into the rushing yards. So we actually averaged a lot more than 4.2 yards per rush. We had three rushing touchdowns. They had two rushing touchdowns. Passing yards, UVA had 258 to Georgia Tech's 229. Coming to the game, Georgia Tech was just averaging 141 passing yards while UVA was averaging 255. So UVA hit their average, and Georgia Tech went above and beyond their average. But even though a lot of people uh, were saying that Georgia Tech completed too many passes, UVA actually was under their average uh, as far as what they yielded a game per pass. UVA came in six in the conference, yielding 255 yards through the air, and they only gave up 229. Georgia Tech, on the other side, was second in the ACC, only giving up 187 yards passing, and UVA uh, got 258. So you can see the trade-off. Um, UVA went above and beyond its rushing average, about plus 50 yards, and Georgia Tech went over, if my math is right, plus close to 80 yards, a little under 80 yards. Um more than what their average was as far as passing. So um, total offense, UVA had 413 yards. A total offense, Notre Dame, I mean, not Notre Dame, but Georgia Tech had 372 yards. Coming to this game, total yards, um, Georgia Tech was averaging 299, while UVA was averaging 310. So Georgia Tech hit 372. And UVA hit 413, so both basically went over 100 yards, close or above 100 yards, um, what they've been doing leading up to this game. Georgia Tech had the ball for 54 total plays. UVA had the ball for a total of 72 total plays. Uh, I talked about the sacks. The one thing that did jump out to me um, is the red zone. Red zone defense, Georgia Tech was the best. And UVA was 6 of 6. I'm going to say that again. Red zone defense, Georgia Tech was one of the best. UVA was 6 of 6 in the red zone. No turnovers, two field goals, four touchdowns. What more can you say? There was 9 of 16 on third down. That's better than 50%. Held Georgia Tech to 3 of 9. We had the ball for 35 minutes. They had the ball for 20 four minutes. They came to the game like one of the worst as far as um time of possession. We look at individual stats and we we'll, we'll hustle up through this. Uh individual stats, Bryce Perkins had another hundred yard rushing game. He had hundred and six. He lost thirteen on the two sacks. He really gained uh hundred and nineteen yards on eighteen on nineteen carries because he was sacked two times. 
So that, you know, he still averaged five yards a carry with those two sacks factoring. He had one touchdown. Wayne Tyler Papa, I love it when you call me Tyler Papa. Whoever made that up, that's actually dope right there, the Samoan slasher. Um, 10 carries, 37 yards, two touchdowns. He now has 11 touchdowns on the season, one more than uh, Jordan Ellis had last year, and it's the most since Kevin Parks uh, had this many touchdowns when he was still here. Um, I think Kevin Parks is like fourth all time in overall rushing yards in his career. Well, I think he taught five. I know one thing in high school, he was a beast. He still got national records. Uh, he was so nice. Uh, Jordan Mason had 19 carries for 94 yards, one touchdown for Georgia Tech. I liked him as a running back and the running back and the quarterback, James Graham, had eight carries for 42 yards and one touchdown. James Graham uh, completed 15 passes. 229 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Bryce Perkins was 24-35, 258, one touchdowns, no interception. He was sacked twice. Receiving, Terrell Jenner continues his hot streak. He had over 100 yards at a game. He had nine carries this time for 108 yards, just zero touchdowns. Jenner hasn't scored all year, and he's, I want to say, the only receiver with as many catches that he has with no touchdowns, I think. So we got to get Janet in the end zone. Uh, Billy Kemp had four catches for 51 yards. They took away the sweet touchdown that he had. Glazer got called for a legal man downfield, and that's the rough part when there's an RPO and you just don't know what's going on behind you. And um, he just happened to step up field, so that was a flag on that. Uh, Joe Reed had five catches, 27 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, Tanner Cowley, two catches. The touchdown engineer, that is, two catches, 23 yards. And I want to say the drive, he had a catch. Both, I want to say both drives. He got, uh, I don't know for sure. I ain't even going to lie. And um, But shout-out to Tavares Kelly and Billy Kent, man, getting getting involved in the offense uh, we missed Tavares on one post route that would have generated a touchdown. He got up on that safety toe so quick. And, um, yeah, it's good to see them getting work in the slot. Uh, Brown led the way 59 yards for Georgia Tech in one touchdown. And then Carter had the nice touchdown on the 50-50 ball in which um, Nino had great coverage and just lost his footing. Um, but – Defensively, UVA was led by Jordan Mack and Zane Zandier, who they both had nine tackles. Nick Grant had seven tackles. Devontae Cross had seven tackles. Charles Snowden had six. Joey Blunt had six tackles. He also had an interception. Eli Handback had a tackle for loss to go along with four tackles. Chris Moore had four tackles before he was injured and didn't return, even though he was available. Uh, Matt Gam had two tackles. Lamont Atkins had a tackle. Noah Taylor, one tackle. That's a tackle for loss. Richard Burney, one tackle. Heskin Smith had a tackle. It was good to see him back in the lineup and getting that work. Um, Mandy Alonzo, a tackle. Dixon had a tackle. Famui had a tackle. Uh, um, Return yards. Tavares Kelly had five returns for 129 yards, a long of 40. And that long actually helped make the field shorter. And then Bryce Perkins scampered. And then we scored. So, you know, Tavares filled in for a banged-up Joe Reed, and I think that was a smart move um, to kind of just focus on using Joe Reed on offense, and if we needed him in a return game, we could just put his body back there and scare the hell out of the kickoff, the kickoff team for Georgia Tech. Um, any post-game notes before I get into the nitty-gritty of what I got to say? Um, this is the fifth ACC game of the season that we won, marking the most by the Cavaliers since – 
2011. Uh, Bryce Perkins finished with one passing touchdown and one rushing touchdown. It's the fourth time in the season, the tenth of his career. He has done that. Uh, 258 yards passing. Uh, Perkins passed the great 1-8 Marcus Hagan himself for number eight, and Marcus and Mark Verica for number seven, and Aaron Brooks on number six on the all-time career passing list. That's that's a great accomplishment right there. Um, but yeah, that's it. So let's get into the game, right? So coming to the game, we wanted to know offensively what we want to do versus this Georgia Tech defense because they were known to limit guys passing. And I said on the pregame show, WINA uh, 98.9 FM, that I thought that stat was misleading. The reason why teams didn't have great stats passing the ball versus Georgia Tech is because they were giving up over 200 yards rushing a game. And I didn't worry, feel a lot of, calls the pause when it came to throwing the ball versus them because they play man and I know what our receivers can do when it's, as far as running running great routes catching the football and doing what they do and I would def, I definitely wanted to see us run the ball more with our backs if we could but Bryce Perkins was getting busy and then he was getting busy throwing the ball now I will say this Bryce did miss miss some reads I'm, I'm not going to like sugarcoat or just gloss over that um Bryce missed some reads um, they, they've had time to get into the film room. Um, it's Monday when I'm recording this and releasing this, so I'm pretty sure that they watched the film. He holds himself accountable. He's a dude that doesn't take criticism to heart and hold grudges. He takes the constructive criticism and he applies it to his game to be that much better um, as a football player. So me saying he missed some reads, isn't, he's not going to take it as a diss because, you know, our relationship is is legit to where he knows it's coming out of a place of love. So um, he missed a cease to bar a couple of times. Um, I don't know what he did to Hasis. I know that's been the running joke. Um, but Hasis actually did not have a catch this game. Um, the one time I remember he was wide open and everybody was screaming to Bryce that Hasis was open. And he finally threw it to Hasis. It was late. It was in the right side of the end zone. And the DB did a good job of getting his hands in between Hasis and the ball. But it's games like that. You hate to see that. You will hope Bryce would see the field better. But like I said in a previous podcast, you don't. We don't know what's being told to Bryce pre-snap, depending on the route combos on a certain side of the field and what he sees as far as coverage. One safety, two safety. Uh, how many backers in the box? Who's in the A gap, the B gap, the C gap? What's the shade? We just don't know what. He's being told as far as his read because we could say, hey, he's missing somebody there wide open. But a lot of times you can predetermine one side of the field to attack and then use the athleticism to tuck and run. So that's why I'm always kind of if this was the NFL, like if this was a Dak Prescott or a Carson Wentz or a Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers would just be like, yo, you missing reads people open because you're a professional. But in, in college. These are young men that's aspiring to be pro. So the criticism is not as uh, stern and and animated. But he did miss some guys that were open. So we're not going to sugarcoat that. But he made some good throws as well. He was utilizing his his uh, matchups, getting the ball to the Munchkins in the slot that were getting open. The one to Tavares, I felt like he wanted to make sure he got to Tavares as far as completing it versus trying to lead him and running the risk of overthrowing him. So that's why Tavares didn't score on his deep ball. If they would have been more in tune like he is with Jana, um, I felt like 
he would have led Tavares and it would have been a touchdown. But at the end of the day, it's all about completing passes. And when Bryce had the opportunity to complete them, he did that. He had just 11 incompletions on 35 pass attempts. So shout out to Bryce, man. These past two games, his arm has definitely been the deal as far as being efficient, being accurate. Um, This game, like he took a step back as far as seeing the field, but he still had over 100 yards rushing. So as far as what the offense had looked like prior to the UNC game, we can't be out here expecting him to do any and everything and be Mr. Perfect. Okay, that's that's why I'm standing with mine. Um, as far as the defensive side of the ball, yes, we are looking shaky in the secondary as far as coverage, but the standard was set so high with Bryce Hall and with uh, Brent Nelson. It's going to be a little bit of a drop-off, okay? Let's just call a spade a spade. They still held Georgia Tech to the average that they had coming in, but... The 50-50 balls are going to be a concern for fans and the way and rate in which teams are. You know, it's not that I, – I guess I guess I put it to you like this. If a team was picking us apart through the, through the air as far as like timing routes and just getting to the line of scrimmage and throwing another timing route, getting to the line of scrimmage, like if it was like methodical and as far uh, the way that they're moving the ball down the field, I'll be concerned. But the chunk plays, even though they are alarming, you can fix those with just your scheme. Um, Chris Moore got beat on a just a, a glance a glance post route. What I mean by glance is you give it like a quick glance to the corner and you go to the post. It wasn't something that was super creative or it wasn't a great route, but he beat him with speed. Speed receiver, you get on the toes of your defender, you make him move off his spot, and then you attack the spot that was vacated. That's what a slot receiver did. Shout out to the quarterback who threw a great ball as well. Anytime you're facing a quarterback who isn't as accurate, you want to make sure you take away the luxury. And the luxury is throwing long down the field. And we didn't do that. And Chris just didn't understand the threat. He was on the hash. If that kid actually runs a corner route like he thought, you make him catch it and you tackle him. Because Chris did a great job of keeping his pedal. He had plenty of cushion. But what happened was he gave up the meat of the defense. The threat was to the middle of the field. So all that fails, he should have just weed pedal, making sure he took away all inside routes and rallied to outside routes, which was the corner route. But he went on the first move. He gave him a glance to the corner, and Chris immediately opened to go to the corner. He went back post. He made Chris reflip his hips and step over himself, and Chris doesn't have that type of elite speed to take up with, with the, the keep up with their fastest, most explosive receiver. So, you know, they hit the call, but that's technique, and that can be corrected, and that can be fixed. So if a Liberty comes in and try to do the same thing, I'm pretty sure Coach Howell would just say, hey, man, all this fails, don't give up the post and make them catch it in front of you. Stay deeper than the deepest. Because when it came to uh, Joey Blunt and his interception, it was Nick Grant checking the receiver to the field. Nick Grant understood understood the alignment. Basically was like, hey, alerted Joey, I'm going to stay outside because – you you're the inside. You're my help guy. He sent he he released the receiver to Joy. Joy did a great job of baseball turning. 
meaning he opened to the field. The receiver went underneath him. He baseball turned and came out high. And when he came out high, the quarterback threw high. The receiver came flat. If this was a good quarterback who had better accuracy, he would have flattened the receiver out. They would have had like a 20-yard gain with a lineup again. But the fact that Joey understood that this young man wasn't accurate, let me give the receiver a lot of space, stay over the top, and it was a bad throw. Joey benefited for the bad throw, and he made him pay. That was one of my keys. When this kid makes a mistake, you make him pay. Floyd Mayweather, as you say this all, all the time to his opponents during the faceoff, you make a mistake, you are going to pay. And that's what happened. The kid made a mistake. He threw it too deep. Joey made the pick, got us off the field. The last explosive play that they had as far as for a touchdown to Nick Grant. Nick Grant did a great job on a, on a stutter goal, the double move. He, um, he closed the hip. He looking lean, and when he looked up for the ball, he just lost his footing. I don't think the receiver pushed him in the back. I think it was just unfortunate he lost his footing. Only way you can fix that is to make sure you really contact the receiver on your looking lean, and you could try to hook him like you're boxing him out. But it's, that's the 50-50 ball for you. Only thing you could do is just try to make sure you don't lose your footing the second time. He lost his footing versus North Carolina, but I felt like that was a that was a good – throw and receive did a good job of really compressing Nick to where he could fade away from. I think Nick did a great job of leaning on the receiver and actually trapping him on the sideline. The receiver did a, I don't know how he kept his feet in, but he kept his foot in and made a great catch. And you get beat like that. It was a great catch. And actually it was a great ball. So salute to them. Um, and the last one, the tight end in which he made the catch before halftime, that was just terrible alignment and assignment. Three by one, three receivers to the field. We bumped our linebacker over number two, which was in between the number three and the number one receiver, and the nearest receiver, which was a tight end. We didn't even cover him up, and it was just a looky route. I mean, Jordan Mack is in the middle of the field. He has to uh, respect the RPO look. He, they put the ball in the belly of the running back. Jordan has to hold because he's an A-gap by himself, and they threw a looky route. I don't know if if Joy if um Joy Blunt or I think it was Cross. I don't know if Cross was supposed to be playing that safety. I don't I don't know which safety it was. I want I, I don't I don't want to say their name and it's wrong. But one of the safeties should have either been up some or we just blew the call. But they also I want to say completed another one to the tight end. I just felt like we playing a tight end like two. We playing a tight end ten yards off. Like we talking about a tight end. We ain't talking about one of the best tight ends. Just an ordinary tight end, and we off too deep. And that's gonna get corrected. Uh, but anyway, I know folks are worried about the secondary. Look, Heskin Smith played well. Moore got banged up. We put Cross back to safety. And um, Heskin came in and, and, and did well, man. It was, it was refreshing to see him back into the game on the field. And um, he covered well. And then we used Dixon as the nickel. We, we blitzed him a couple of times. And majority of the time, we just went base because they were just using their tight end as, as an extra receiver. And we were just using cross to come down and play man. So we pretty much went away from the nickel look. We just went more base. And then we started using uh, – Four four and five man rush, but we was being kind of creative with it, meaning we were blitzing him on one side and kind of shading and mirror him on the side in which we weren't we was not bringing pressure. So if the ball was to the right of us, we would bring pressure to our right 
with both backers, whether we were doing a double A gap blitz or we were looping him in the B and the C gap, and we were forcing him to a side, and the side we were forcing him to, we would have um, the book of Eli kind of waiting on him, or we would have Noah waiting on him to kind of trap him and just rush his process of trying to figure out who was open. So if we were going to leave somebody uncovered to the field, we'll bring a pressure from the field to make him move off that spot and force him to go to the backside. If that, if y'all could picture what I'm saying. So we started manipulating his vision, manipulating where he could go with the ball because we understood he wasn't as polished as a passer. And the more we can make him move, the more he would cut off the field up for himself. So we would force him to the short side of the field. He would come to the boundary. If the boundary wasn't there, he would panic and throw the ball away. Or he would try to just rush up the field. So Coach Nick Howell and Papinga did a great job of understanding, like, look, um, we know Heskins is a, is, is a veil, is, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Capable of covering. But he only had one day of practice. He was coming off a knee injury. So, you know, why would we throw him in a fire like that when we could just use some zone dogs and things like that? And we didn't run as much man on the back end. We ran a lot of combo zones, a lot of short zones. Uh, we played in between because we knew they would try to run some corner routes. So we would show and take away the corner, allow them to have the five-yard out, the five-yard hitch, rally up and tackle. Then we saw late in the game he couldn't even complete those throws anymore because the pressure was coming, his feet couldn't get set, and he's not he wasn't a comfortable thrower. So uh, we made a mistake personnel-wise not understanding what – they can do well. Like, I know if Chris could take it back, he would say, yo, ball hawk, I should have just stayed high. Stay high, take away the inside. We They run one-on-one drill every day with receivers. And in one-on-ones, you know that they got all day to throw. They got all day to work all these routes. So you come in as a defensive unit. You say, okay, today in one-on-ones, we're going to make sure we hold our inside and rally on all outside throws. And that's what you do. In that moment, it was just straight man-to-man for Chris. Like I said, Line up on the hash, all the field away from you is the most dangerous, which was the post route. You weed pedal, you take away the post, you stay high, and if he run corner, you rally high and make him dog it down. And he got to show you he can complete that throw. Anytime you face an athlete that's playing quarterback like that Georgia Tech guy was, you let them have the short throws. That's why Georgia Tech didn't really feel comfortable just trying to throw short. If you go back and look at the game, Look how far our DBs are off. And the reason why is because we were like, okay, let's see how many times on a drive he can complete these short throws. And I know Cub was getting frustrated because he felt like they should have closed the cushion. And, and absolutely, I would as well. I would want to as well because I feel like, you know, we could get a bead on a young man. We could pick it off. But then again, why even run that risk? Let's see how many times consistently he can make those timing throws. And we saw late in the game, we wasn't having great breaks on the ball, per se, as far as, like, getting in there and, and batting the ball down. He was just making errant throws. Like, his arm just went dead. The batteries went dead. It wasn't built for throwing that much. It just wasn't in, in, in the show. So, um, moving forward, man, I think we will get better in the secondary. We got a bye week now. Um, we got a decision to make, you know, if 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 Smith is available. Um, do you – Stay with your base and use your backers and just buzz them underneath and play some type of combo zone. Um, do we put Cross in the slot now? Can Jalen Baker, is he available to play the slot? Smith is a, a diminutive guy. Can he play the slot? 
Um, because I like Chris Moore in the game as another short tackler for teams who try to run the football with Joey Blunt. Um, I know people are having trepidations as far as him covering, but I, I know he can fix that. I work with this kid in the summer. He can pedal and, and he can cover. It's just all about sometimes your mind. You know, that's all it is. Like he's he's capable. It's just his mind. It's just live bullets are different. That's all it is. He got beat by Daz Newsom on a post, the best receiver for UNC. Then he got beat by the best receiver for Georgia Tech, who actually plays the slot. So he's going to run into the better receivers in the slot, and that's where we got to identify. And maybe, you know, the coaching staff could just say, hey, if it's, if, if, if it's this receiver in the slot, Devontae, you got to take him, and we're going to put Chris over there. You know what I'm saying? Maybe that's something they could, they could look at. So, um, yeah, man, but that's all I got for y'all, man. I just think the Wahoos are very fortunate to have another bye week. We could get healthy. As far as DBs that will be be available, I know a lot of fans ask me this. Brent's not going to be back. Bryce is not going to be back. Those are the two corners that are hurt, two DBs that are hurt that have been playing. You know, Clary, I don't know if he'll be back, but Clary wasn't playing as much. I know he got in versus um, – ODU and he got in versus Woman Mary. But as far as the DBs who will be in to actually play, we got who we got. Moore will be healthy to play. He was healthy to go back in. It just Smith was doing so well at corner and Devontae's our best, you know, sideline to sideline safety and understanding what Georgia Tech wanted to do as far as attacking deep. It was a no brainer to just keep Devontae in the game. Um, it wasn't a knock against Chris. It was just the floor of the game, and you didn't want to run the risk of using Chris unless you um, really had to, and it was his knee. So um, they made a great decision, and it wasn't a – like I said, it wasn't nothing against him. Like, oh, you you lost your spot. No, it's just the floor of the game. That's how football is. Um, we haven't really been coming out to the quarterback like we've been accustomed to. Look, man, and I'm going to say this the last time. Our luxury vehicle is gone. Bryce allowed you to just blitz everybody from his side because he was that special playing press. Factor in our best nickel guy who could come down and press and play close and Brent Nelson is gone. Only pressure you could really send is from the boundary and you really don't want to send all the pressure coming from the boundary because now you're allowing quarterbacks to focus to the field where there's a lot of room. A lot of times we would blitz from the field and force guys to go to the boundary. If that makes sense to you, because Bryce played on the left. We were always usually blitz from Bryce's side, and we were rarely blitz, even when Nino, I mean, we'll leave Nino by himself too. So now, you know, coaches just got to continue to show their IQ, man, and and, and, they'll, and they'll work out and they'll do some things. And I know uh, Nick will tweak some things on the back end to better help out his DBs and talking to uh, Manny Alonzo after the game. On my post-game interview, he said it, that Coach Vic actually challenged the defensive line to pick up the slack the same way the defensive backs picked up the slack when they were injured last year. If you remember last year, the D-line ran through an injury rut and we had to adjust. Now it's the guys in the secondary. So, hey, man, we got great coaches. They do what they do. They adapt. We just now work on getting timely stops. It's like playing arena football. You get timely stops, and when you get those timely stops as an offense, you take advantage of it and you score, and our offense has been doing that. Salute to the offense for picking your brother up, being the ultimate team. 
This is what it's all about. Just a couple weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, people were saying our offense was trash can juice. We're not going to have the same energy for our defense. We're not going to do that. We're not going to do that because we shouldn't have even done that to the offense. But the offense didn't show you consistently. The, the offense gave you eight quarters of consistent, very good execution and points being scored. Minus the donut versus um, UNC. But they've been executing when they had to. So there you got it, man. Um, with this bye week coming up, I may drop some some more, you know, content. Um, oh, salute to the basketball team. I'm not really recapping the basketball team. They played JMU. And isn't it amazing how the basketball team kind of resembles our football team early in the year? If he on offense, dominant on defense. How you hold somebody to 34 damn points in basketball and back-to-back week, back-to-back games? Our, our offense has scored more points than the opponents in basketball. So salute to the basketball. Salute to Mamedi Diakite doing what he do, the blonde bomber, getting buckets. Um, but they locking people down, and that's all I got for y'all, man. I ain't, you know. We smashing, folks. Ain't too much you could talk about. Hopefully, the shooting improves. Somebody said this going this going to probably be the best defense. This defense will be better than last year's defense. And my response to that was, they better because the offense ain't going to be better. And that's not a knock on them. But we lost three NBA players who got buckets. So the defense better be better because your offense won't be better. Like I said, that's not a knock and that's not a diss. But this defense, <laughs> this defense is clamp, clamp city. Thirty-four points, clamp city. That got to be some type of new world record or something. It's the ball hog, man. Y'all be easy. Appreciate you. Make sure you subscribe and get your shut the hell up juice gear at stajuice.com. I'm out. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.